everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lessons Learned Podcast, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. My name is Suzanne, and I'm the head coach at Grace Financial Coaching. I cannot wait to hear about the dumbest thing that Tracy has ever done with money. So let's welcome Tracy now. Hey, Tracy. Hey, thank you so much for hosting me. It is a joy and an honor to be here. I really appreciate it. My name is yes. Tracy, as you said, and I am just really excited to share some of the dumb things that I've done with money. I think you'll get a kick out of it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's get rolling. So Tracy and I are both financial coaches. And the reason I think it's important to bring on people to this particular show who are now experts with money is because no one started that way, right, Tracy? We all made terrible mistakes in the past that have led us to this particular career of financial coaching and helping people with budgets and debt and things like that. So mm-hmm. in Golden Rose Financial Coaching, how do you help people? So I take on people who are frustrated with their situation and ready to change. The people who are like spinning their wheels and not getting the traction that they want. And even people who just need a little bit of extra guidance and need that encouragement that they are making the correct decisions with their money if they are in a good spot. So there's a wide range there. And what I do is I create um, a budget. And for the people who don't like the B word, asset allocation plans. And then we follow Dave Ramsey's seven baby steps as a guide to get you towards that financial freedom. Oh my gosh, how much better does asset allocation plan sound than budget? <laughs> that is awesome. Actually, I had I had a consultation where when I said budget and like his face just crinkled up with almost like a snarl, I was like, you've had a bad experience this with this, haven't you? What if we changed it to asset allocation plan instead? And he was like, huh, I like it better, even yeah. though it's the same thing. <laughs> right, right. And if you don't have any assets, right? By the true definition of the word, you could always call it an income allocation plan, right? Because the majority of people are bringing in an income every single month. And Dave tells us, Dave Ramsey tells us that your income is your single most important wealth building tool. And that's so true that if you don't control the monthly asset or the monthly income and have that plan, it turns kind of into a disaster, which you mentioned with providing people with accountability. That's true. And not only do I help people create that plan, but I also work on mindsets and behaviors with money as well. Because money is more than just writing it out. If you don't go and have that mindset change and learn about the psychological, behavioral, and emotional parts of money, you're just going to go out and finance that stupid car payment again. (laughs) That sounds like you're leading into something, Tracy. It really (laughs) is. So... The dumbest thing. Yes. I created this show specifically, as we mentioned earlier, to help people realize that while we are now the experts, we all make financial mistakes, right? If you're over the age of 14, you've screwed up something with money. So what is the dumbest thing you have ever done with money, Tracy? And what can we learn from it? Oh my goodness. Well, I had the stupid car payment. I had the car payment, which was the stupid thing with money. And then I had more stupid with money within that. So here's what happens. And you're going to get an inside look of a little bit of how the military works as well. And some of the obstacles that the military has that civilians don't necessarily have 
catered towards them. So my husband's a army veteran. We were stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And long story short, I had to have a job. So I needed a car. I was driving his Dodge Stratus to work to this new job where I was getting paid barely above minimum wage. And he had a battle buddy who had a DUI. So he couldn't drive on post. So he would drive to our apartment. But because the military takes anything like a DUI or some sort of offense in the civilian world makes it last a lot longer so he could drive off post. So he'd come to our apartment and my husband would drive him on post. Well, this battle buddy was getting ready to be PCS from North Carolina to somewhere else. PCS for civilian is transferring duty stations. So we had to go out and get a car that weekend. Like, I I tried to do the whole, you know, maybe we should wait. We could figure it out. Can you carpool with somebody else? Well, my husband needed his car to be able to drive around base because he needed to deliver paperwork and all that. So back in 2011, when gas was $4 a gallon, if you're old enough to remember that, I wanted the most fuel efficient vehicle. We were talking about having kids. So I also wanted a safe vehicle. So I had solidly decided that I wanted a Toyota Prius. Ooh. Yes. And and on the surface, that obviously checks all the boxes, right? Toyotas are rely are are notoriously reliable. Uh, we've got the, the when gas was four dollars a gallon. Yeah, I think I blacked that part of history out, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so it's they're they're reliable. The Prius is obviously going to be good on gas, being a hybrid back then. So yeah, so that's checking all the boxes. That makes sense to me. So what happened when you guys went to go get it? Oh my gosh. So we went to the dealership in Fayetteville, the Toyota dealership in Fayetteville. And keep in mind, I was only making like 800 bucks a month at this new job. And I walk in there and I say, I want a Toyota Prius. I was with my husband. The salesman smelled fear on me because in walks this petite little 21 year old girl who thinks she knows what she wants. And he pulled every trick in the book on us and we fell for it. Every single one. Did he do the one where he tells you he needs to go talk to his manager and he goes in the back and like has a donut and then comes back and says, sorry, I can't make that deal. My manager won't approve it. Uh, yeah, that comes later though. <laughs> that comes later. So what happened was, yeah, sure. We've got one Toyota Prius that somebody traded in three days ago and it hasn't been cleaned. It hasn't been ready yet, but we've got one in stock. And, you know, I tried to say, okay, I'll give you X amount of dollars for it. And he's like, no, not going to happen because these are in high demands. Someone's going to give me full price for it. So my husband's like, you know, we've already spent several hours here already. Hint, hint. I don't want to go anywhere else. Let's just do it. Did he say that in front of the sales guy? Yeah. Okay, fine, whatever, you know. So we go through and long story short, like we're broke. He's an E4 making like... 2000 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 
the the salesperson's like, well, let me run your credit. You know, you've got pretty good credit for your age, blah, 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 with both of our names on there for the credit check. And he's like, well, it's Saturday. Our financing isn't open. You should be able to get approved for it. Here are the keys. So in North Carolina, you have seven days to return the vehicle. Okay. They didn't tell us that we weren't approved until that seven days was up. What? I was out of state visiting family in Illinois when my husband calls me and is like, so we're not approved for this loan for this Prius. Oh my gosh. And so he's trying to go to every bank every lender possible to try and get this thing financed and they won't give us a loan for it because we're young, we're dumb, we're broke. Mm-hmm. We're not the greatest credit. And keep in mind, 2011 was pretty sh- a short period of time removed from the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. So I'm sure there was still some apprehension with lenders and such uh, to that effect. So that was obviously playing a part too. Not that they should have been running around giving you guys (laughs) a brand new car loan, but there was probably a little more apprehension back then than there would be if we did this, if this story was occurring today. So that's something to take into account too. Exactly. So so you're visiting family in Illinois, your husband's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Where did he get said financing from? Well, here's the thing. I said, just take the dang thing back. They said, you signed a contract for it and you're already past that date. And I said, well, you didn't tell us that we didn't get our financing denied until after the seven days. They said, too bad. You signed a contract for it. Wow. That is unbelievable. Talk about every trick in the book. Yeah. They pulled out all the stops on you guys. They did. They did. So eventually what happened was... We went back to the bank. We're like, listen, we, we're stuck with this car. There's nothing we can do. And they're like, yeah. well, let us talk to our bank that we financed through one more time and see what they say. Okay. The ones who first denied us. They said, if you refinance the rest of his car loan onto this loan and give us a thousand dollar down payment, we'll finance you. And here I'm still trying to shove the thing back. And they're like, nope, sorry. So what was left on the Stratus car payment? Honestly, I don't know. Our our finances were separated then. I just remember that the car payment itself was like 400 bucks a month or something. Oh my gosh. So let's pause there for a second. What do you, having gone through the experience of, so you guys were married at this point. Yeah. Having gone through the experience of being married and having separated finances, what was your experience having separated finances what have you guys combined since then? Have you left anything separate? Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, sure, sure. There's more to the story though. Yes, we'll go back. <laughs> we'll go back to that. We'll go back to that. Just keep that fresh in your head. So long story short, my husband and I had almost like a joint checking account to where like we had bills coming in and out of it, but everything else was pretty much separate. Like his money was his money. My money was my money. Because he was a saver, I was a spender, scarcity mindset, abundant mindset. So I was afraid that, you know, he was going to spend every penny if I put it in there and I was clinging on to it. 
really, really tight. And we actually got divorced. That's right. We were divorced for nine months. And that's where he truly found the Lord and gave his life to Jesus. And God restored our marriage. Nine months after it is nine months after our divorce, we got remarried much faster, by the way, than I wanted. (laughs) My timeline was two years. Didn't happen. (laughs) So after that, like we had taken Financial Peace University in 2013. So two years after this whole car debacle, stupid money mistake. And I was living the principles while we were divorced because I could. And then he's like, you know what? Let's put everything together. Let's give this a shot and let's do it the way that you've been doing it because you've been doing well. And working together towards our goals is so much better than trying to fight each other, trying to move on the same page, but in opposite directions. So it's a conversation now. Yeah, we still argue. (laughs) Right. Who doesn't? We all argue about something, right? We all have our hot button issues. And if you think, money is only a hot button issue in your marriage and not anyone else's. I I don't know where you've been for the entirety of your life, people, but it is literally the number one reason for divorce in North America is money fights and money issues. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Tracy, you are just like a living example of how that happens and how people overcome it. So let's go back to the car. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we get we we get this offer of sure we'll finance this Prius for you, but you've got to refinance the Stratus and give us a thousand bucks. So at that point, are you guys pretty much tied into doing this? This is what we accepted. Yeah, we kind of rolled over at that point because like they okay. had just been beating us so hard with, you know, you're in this contract, you can't get out of it. And I didn't I didn't know till afterwards. I should have used the word lawyer. <laughs> I should have, but I wasn't thinking about it because I was like panicking the whole time. So we had 500 bucks in savings. They wanted a thousand. So we go down to a loan shark company, which by the way, around military bases, payday loan companies, pawn shops, loan shark companies, just anything and everything that panders specifically to the military because they know that the military gets paid on the first and the 15th every month, unless the president and Congress decides to not pay them. Right, right, exactly. Uh, uh, full disclosure, Tracy and I are both military spouses. I am a military spouse. My husband's active duty Navy. And I'm gonna add strip clubs into that. <laughs> I tried to block that one out. <laughs> it's not possible to block it out. The good news is the military, specifically the Navy has done a lot. I lived in San Diego for a while and now we're out here near Virginia Beach, uh, Norfolk Naval Station. The military has done a lot to shut down some of those operations. The problem is, as you know, Tracy, they pop up all the time. And then what happens is they end up screwing with some of our service members and they get blacklisted and then they go out of business. But then another one shows up six months later in the same building or another one shows up down the street nine months later. So it is, it's a vicious cycle. As much as I don't like the idea of the government shutting down private businesses, it is definitely something that is forget about pandering. I mean, they're just, they're pulling them in on purpose. I mean, these businesses exist to exploit our military members around bases and posts and stuff like that. So yeah, totally understand. So you guys got, 
you guys are there and you get a $500 payday loan or what was the, what were the parameters of that loan? Hmm. Well, it wasn't just $500. It was my, I'm not blaming my husband here because I went along with it. <laughs> he was like, let's get some extra so that way we can replenish our savings. Yeah. And you know what? That is for some reason, that's like an automatic thing that we do as human beings. Right. If we're going to if, if we see like the ability to have a chunk of money, we're like, let's get an extra chunk of money. But what we're not doing is we're taking out extra debt in order to have that chunk of money. So yeah. now, you know, better. But back then, how much did you guys do you remember how much you guys took out? I think it was fifteen hundred dollars. I was actually going to say, was it like fifteen hundred bucks? Like it, was about 1500 bucks. <laughs> it really was. It was. I think it was about fifteen hundred dollars. I don't remember exactly because this was. Ten years ago. Holy nice. cow, it's been 10 years. I think the interest rate was like 25%. Oh my gosh. So it's basically crazy. a credit card interest for a personal yeah. loan. Yeah. I mean, I've got lots of clients whose credit card interest is a lot lower than 25%. But yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So now we've got both cars refinanced. We've got the $1,500 loan. <laughs> and what did this do to the household budget? I mean, did you guys even really have a budget to, to per se at that point? We weren't budgeting in the proper sense of the term. It was, okay, here's our list of bills. This is when they're due and when they need to get paid. Otherwise, bad things happen. There was no plan for the money. Okay. There, it was just basically a spending plan, not a budget. Right. So we finally, we come back, we give them their $1,000 for a down payment that's borrowed so we can borrow $26,000 more for this stupid car payment at 12.55% interest. Wow. Our car payment in total was $589. Every month. Every month. So I just rounded that sucker up to 600 bucks a month. Gotcha. I was like, we need to pay a little bit extra on our debt. Yay. Like 11 bucks. That $11 is just going to totally make the difference at the end of the day, right? <laughs> So, so here's, here's some, cause 600 bucks, like that's almost like an average new car payment nowadays. Yeah. This was for a used car 10 years ago. That's a great point. That's an excellent point. Right. 600 today is a, a kind of middle of the road BMW or Mercedes, right? 600 today, probably two Honda Civics, right? You know, yeah. not with nothing fancy on them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. 10 years ago, that's a lot for two used mm -hmm. cars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you could go back in time, what would you guys have done instead? <laughs> I would have taken a two by four and hit myself over the head with it. <laughs> Aside from knocking yourself out or knocking some sense into you, which is what I hope you would have actually done. What, what, do, you know, and, and think back to being in that younger military spouse position, not making nearly as much money. You guys are a lot, 10 years younger, 21 knowing today what you know now, if you had all the knowledge of 10 years, right? All the knowledge and experience of 10 years, what would you have done back then if you guys found yourself in that situation of really needing a car and not having the money for it? A, do the math. Love it. B, just because you want that specific car doesn't mean that you have to have it right now at that point. There, I could have, I could have gotten a $5,000 reliable beater not even a beater. Five grand can still buy you a decent car, even nowadays. And 
had a much lower payment because like we still couldn't technically afford it. Yeah. And then also really, I think back to that salesman. Don't accept anything unless it's on paper in front of you with both of y'all's signature on it. Don't take anybody's word for a contract until it is on paper and signs and legal. Yep, exactly. And I think Beverly, our friend Beverly here really summed it up. She says, LOL, love this story, ladies. So many good lessons. And it, it really is, Tracy. I mean, this is... This is such a great example of, again, we are now the experts, right? We do this for a living. We help people figure out their money, but it's it's so much more than that. It's a lot of life experience. I don't need you to have a master's degree in finance for you to tell me how to do my budget because you've already lived it, right? We both have our training. We've done different types of training. We've done the same trainings, but it is so important to have this life experience behind mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Um, I coach a lot of people who are older than me. And sometimes that just means that they haven't had these bad experiences, right? <laughs> it just means that they've either kind of skated through and never really had anything financially bad happen to them, or they were able to recover really quickly. And now they're, they're looking back and they're like, oh man, I'm about to retire. I'm living on a fixed income and I don't know how to do this. I've never budgeted. So it doesn't necessarily need to be an age thing, but man, does age and experience really help the overall situation and being able to look back hindsight being 2020 and what you would have done differently. Exactly. So let me follow up. So this was on a five-year loan. Oh, right. So 60 months. So we got the car in 2011. In 2015, we moved to Washington State. My husband had been out of the military. I was like, this. I'm sick to death of this stupid car payment. By the way, our rent in North Carolina was $690. This mother freaking car payment was almost as much as our rent for a two-bedroom, two-bathroom luxury apartment in North Carolina. I was going to say, Tracy, calm down. This is a family show. No. <laughs> I yeah. edit words. I know yeah. we're on RPC calls. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. I mean, man, if there was ever a time to curse something out, it would be the car payment that's almost as much as the rent, right? Because 10 years ago in that area of North Carolina was a lot less expensive. A it lot was. less expensive. Yeah. All right. So, so fast the- forward, we're in Washington. The smart thing I did, the only smart thing I did with this car payment, now this is post Dave because we took Financial Peace University in 2013, is I refinanced it okay. for the same amount of time that I had left on the loan. So like two years, maybe, I think, year and a half, two years for the same amount. So I still was paying the $600 a month. Knock down the interest rate from 12.55 to 5.5. Oh, I love it. And knocked six months off of that loan. Awesome. And then so it, gazelle intensity, anything extra went towards it. I was just going to say, so at this point, we're throwing more than the $600 at the loan. We are, we're taking away from eating out and entertainment and we are putting anything extra we can towards the loan to get rid of it and get it out of your life. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that's what we teach our clients to do, right? Mm -hmm. It might not be the easiest thing, but man, does it make a bad mistake feel a lot less harsh when you can get, get over it more quickly. 
Mm -hmm. right? So you could have screwed up all over here, but what you did was you eliminated the mistake faster by saying, we screwed up, we made a mistake, we're just going to deal with it, but let's get rid of it sooner than later. I love it. So great. Awesome. But I also want to add some more wisdom into this. So this was, we got the dang thing paid off. That was $600 a month more that we were able to keep in our budget but we still weren't living on a budget. We still weren't working together with our finances. So even though I had this idea of, yay, there's gonna be so much more breathing room. It's gonna be awesome. We're not gonna be broke all the time, celebrate. Because we weren't on the same page and working together with our finances, just within a matter of a couple of months, it was just like, why do we feel this strapped again? And all, and you had, a, you magically had $600 back and magically it disappeared. Exactly. That's so true. If we don't pay attention to what we're bringing in and how we're spending it, it magically disappears for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I kind of had a rough month last month in June. We're, you know, this is July and we're on a spending freeze right now for July. And so we're only buying like really what is truly necessary. And by necessary, I mean like, there we've got a vegetable garden out here and we're having a tropical storm right now. And I'm probably gonna have to buy some more like trellises to keep everything up after everything's done. So like, we're going to purchase that kind of stuff, but we're not going out of our way to buy clothes that are not necessary right now. So Mm -hmm. no clothing's in the budget right now. I really want to buy this book. It's sitting in my cart on my online shopping site and I'm going to have to buy it next month. So yeah. So everybody has bad months. Right. And the number one thing we can do is, pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and start again. And and it's not, you know, it, it, it can be the middle of the month. It can be the very beginning of the next month. It can be the end of the current month, but definitely the, the ability to say, this doesn't feel right. We need to change something. It doesn't matter what time of the month it is. You can do it at any given moment. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Tracy, I want to say thank you Thanks for your for having me. and for sharing your financial blunders with us to make everyone else feel more comfortable. You can reach Tracy. I'm going to put all of her information in the YouTube video. You'll be able to reach out to her on via email, phone, and on her website. Thanks again to our guests for their honesty and for sharing their financial blunders with us. Join me again next week for another episode of Lessons Learned Podcast, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. Make sure to subscribe to the Grace Financial Coaching YouTube channel and please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.